Hey everyone, welcome back to the Marketing After Hours podcast. This is the podcast that helps companies like you stand out in an ever-changing market by providing you with proven tactics from industry experts that are working right now. Our goal is to help you grow your brand, generate leads, increase conversions, and build stronger relationships with your audience. I'm your host, Richie Burke, and today I'm joined by a very talented guest and friend, Josh Rolls, to help you grow your business through email marketing. Once you're done listening to this about 30-minute conversation, you'll be walking away with six list-building strategies that are working right now. Josh and I have both used a lot of these strategies. They've helped me build lists from zero to 10,000 plus subscribers and Josh has built a 158,000 person list for his company that is very, very effective and profitable. So we'll be diving deep into all those tactics and giving you tips on how to apply them to your business. We'll also be talking about what kind of emails you should be sending to your audience to build trust, credibility, and really move them along the customer journey so you can get more customers and more referrals. And just a reminder, this podcast is produced by Storymark Studios. And if you enjoy what you hear, please share with a friend, write a review. We really appreciate it. It helps us get more ears on these shows. All right, let's dive in. Got my good friend Josh Rolls here with me today. He is the founder and CEO of BRX Performance. They have a physical training location here in the Milwaukee area with 277 current members and they have the world's number one online baseball training platform with over 7,000 paying customers and they have an active email and text list of 158,000 subscribers. So as far as a small business owner goes, this is about the best marketer you, you can get on the show today. We're going to be talking about email marketing on this episode. Josh, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Richie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's good seeing you. Let's dive in. What would you say to people who think that email is dead in 2023? I'd say it's not. Um, something me and my business partner, Brooks, talk about a lot is that um, there's a lot of money in your list, and that's something coined by a lot of, I think, famous marketing people, that there's a lot of money in the email list. I still think I read recently that around... Um, 58% of revenue, if you look at attribution for businesses, is driven through an email list at some point, like having a touch point at some time. Um, and I still think it's the best thing that provides information that is most convenient to a consumer. So even if open rates are down, I think if you do it enough, you're going to get someone at the right time checking an email or happening to see it. Um, and it's still highly effective for us today. I want to go back to the start because we have a lot of, say, mid, mid-market mid companies, small business owners who probably have lists of maybe under 1,000 people, maybe in the one to 5,000 person range, or may just even be getting started. How did you get your first 5,000, 10,000 subscribers? How did you get into list building? Yeah, so that started actually early for us on... Um, Twitter was probably the first place that we restarted by just having stuff that they could go through a link in our bio. And that was where we were most active on social media first um, and then evolved into Facebook and LinkedIn. So we started in 2015 um, and that was, again, something my business partner was very proactive with, just knowing we deal with younger kids, 13 to 17, um, and being active on there. And then we developed um, basically an ebook and it wasn't anything great. And if I had to give advice to 
people that are struggling with their email list, I think what stops them a lot is that like creating that perfect content. And we talk about like something that um, we can get to market that's great is better than like perfect and slow. And so it was just a simple um, probably 40 to 60 page ebook with just, you know, simple things for us for like stretching routines or things a baseball player could do because that's our primary um, athlete that we serve. And that kind of took off. And then we evolved that into things like using um, Facebook was a big one. So we, we really used paid traffic there. And it was the same thing of just getting on there, um, kind of showing a story before and after um, result, which is, I think, uh, always a great way to go. People love to associate themselves with status and see a transformation story. But we use that concept of really seeing that, you know, someone kind of their before and after and then the transitioning. And so for us, it was, you know, an athlete throwing 78 and then 92 and putting that result video and saying, like, get here to get a uh, um, free ebook. And that evolved into kind of other lead magnets that are a little bit more specific were uh, like cheat sheets. So for us to really get to that first five to 10,000, it was kind of a combination of, of organic social and then driving that and expanding that through, through paid social as well. Absolutely. And to go off of what you're saying, obviously in any form of marketing, you want to go where your audience is already spending time and where you can add unique value to them. And mm -hmm. with you, you knew your target audience and you were going on Twitter, I'm guessing organically and paid, and then yep. you're going on Facebook organically and paid. So if you're a business listening to this right now, we want you to think of where is your audience spending time. And when I was when I started my company, which was initially called Go Get It, and it was a daily deal site, we built an email list of about 15,000 people in our first year. And some of that was even brick and mortar where we'd go to some of the restaurants and places we were running deals with and put a a box next to the cash register and mm -hmm. give away a hundred dollar gift card and like we'd get hundreds and hundreds of emails a week yeah it's it doesn't have to be online marketing too this could be online marketing this could be in person we do a lot of online list building now which we'll get into some of the tactics but going where your audience is spending time and adding value to them and the second thing that i want to get into and we'll get into this more on our campaign episodes is it needs to be a good offer. And when I think of offer, I think of the offer needs to be good. The creative needs to be good, which you talked about on your painting success and using storytelling and storytelling doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It can simply, so a good story is simply someone overcoming an obstacle and achieving a transformation. Essentially that's a story in three parts and you do a good job of that. Um, but getting the offer and the creative and the targeting down usually can lead to emails. Yeah. And to your point of like the offer, that's something I could even go further back um, and, and going to where people are. So we started, you know, in 2015 and the story goes like I lived in Brooks's closet. We were fresh out of college and starting. So we would publicly speak at high schools at, at their baseball um, like winter meeting that they'd have kind of in the fall going into. And so we just asked the coaches if we could have 10 to 15 minutes, kind of talk about what we do, talk about one of those transformation stories and, and have an offer of coming in to get an assessment with us um, for 50% off. And so we'd get like 100 emails there. And to your point, like that was us going to um, where they were because at the beginning we didn't have necessarily the money to spend like we do now into paid advertising. And the public speaking was great. And then as we grew, we realized like to do this faster and grow with more momentum, 
we can shift this more to online, started doing things like webinars and podcasts um, or not. We didn't do any podcast, but it would be similar to like an audio recording. So we made it look kind of similar where it, it was uh, as if we were in a studio and, and speaking. And then we evolved that into webinars as well, which was very, very effective. And, um, you know, we partnered with some people like Prep Baseball Report was one at the beginning. Um, Brooks wrote some blog posts for them and that got us good traffic because, again, that's a, a massive recruiting database. And so there's plenty of people on there that, you know, um, they're primarily going there post like a showcase and college scouts use it, but parents and athletes are on it all the time. So a lot of the blogs that we had on our website um, ended up going on there as well. And that kind of helped us drive in a couple key areas. Um, one right now being uh, our five keys to throwing velocity and exit velocity, those rank number one on Google, um, which is hard to always tell if that's nationally or just a local thing with Google now. But all of our SEO metrics say we're in like the top three, you know, and that, that kind of varies and that's, that's helped as well. So yeah, with us, like, I think the place is kind of, um, picking like where, you know, you can start getting traction. And then I always talk about where can you build momentum from there? So what's like the next area that I can reinvest to, and that could be different for a lot of different businesses. For us, it's paid advertising. Um, and for other businesses, it might be somewhere else. It might be display ads, might be Google search ads. I'm not sure. I think that's where guys, when you find that first thing, can you build that into something that, that you know? Um, or I'm sorry, let me back up. Once you know that first thing, can you can you use that momentum to try to test other things and then figure out and then double down on that and keep going? So absolutely, and I like how you proved proved the offer early. I see a lot of companies just put something out there and it doesn't work right away and they pull the plug. And sometimes it's, you're just a couple tweaks away from being successful and from scaling something. Um, so you proved the offer and then I'm guessing how you grew that from five, 10,000 people to the 158,000, yeah. 158, I don't want to sell you short, thousand that it is today. Were the key things on that? Was it just finding what the good offers were, targeting the right people, and then using paid advertising at scale, essentially. Yeah. yeah, and that's even where, you know, we used to start with three offers. We had exit velocity, running speed, and throwing velocity. And we realized that throwing was the lowest. And that was actually kind of a, a part where we had some um, struggles in realizing like that we sh we wanted to kind of keep because, oh, there's other people interested. And, and we kind of doubled down on that one very specific thing that spoke to the most people in our demographic. And I think that's one thing um, I think people can get caught up in, too. You, like, you want to diver diversify to a point, but don't be afraid to, when you know you have this one thing that's really working and leading to customers also, like really double down on it. And that's where we went in with more of um, throwing velocity. And so we evolved like the ebook into throwing velocity cheat sheets. And then that developed into an app that we have a free version where there's now videos and it's basically a sample workout. So back to your point of value, like we try to figure out ways, like how could we make this more valuable over time? And you saw our cost per context go down and the cost per customer go up um, as far as the percentage. And what we were trying to do is just, we always had this concept of What's 10x the value? Like what would someone, if we're gonna charge $49 a month for our online, you know, do-it-yourself training subscription, like what would someone be willing to pay, you know, $400 a month for? Put all that value in and then, and then work that back with what would someone be willing to pay like nothing for? And so even now, like we're about to launch, um, you know, a four-week in-season training program that people could have on the app. And like the conversation at work is kind of, 
well, are we going to like have people not go on the platform? And our goal is like, well, then we need to make the platform that much better to make sure people like want to pay and, and go on to it. And that's the same thing with, um, you know, what we do from an in-gym in training mm -hmm. perspective as well. Before we get into content, I want to go through just some tactical list building strategies yeah. that would work for a lot of businesses out there. Do you want to kick it off with something that you'd recommend? Yeah, I'd say the one for us right now that works really well is we use Facebook lead ads all the time. And that's one that I think you've seen or heard maybe potential people talking about online. Worked, did not work. Facebook's put a ton of effort into that. Um, Facebook is definitely where we spend the most money right now. Um, and I know they've put a lot of effort just I listen to actually their their earnings calls quarterly and the reason why is they give like really good tidbits as far as where they're investing in the platform and Cheryl Sandberg when she was there she came out and said we either want people buying or getting leads or not advertising on our platform and so for us like I know there's a lot of people like oh you got to build awareness and reach and then kind of funnel down and like for us it's like either straight to purchase or straight to leads and that has worked really well like as of yesterday obviously we have a big market um, but our cost per contact yesterday was $1.51 for new leads. And, um, you know, we've had cost per purchase when we go direct to sell for some of our online stuff of uh, $40 to $50. So for us, as far as our best strategy is something of value, a video of some kind of transformation, something that shows and can speak to somebody of a transformation in their status. And I think for a lot of industries, that could be anything. Like if you're in banking or something else, like how could you show your consumers just, I think, going from maybe a bad experience to a great experience? Um, I think people gravitate towards that. They love hearing other people's stories. Um, and that'll get them to kind of click opt-in and, and build some trust. And then from there, like our really goal is to build trust with value through the email nurturing sequence. Um, and that's something we do with from the get-go and then even once they say if they go through that value and there's going to be an offer at the end we still build them the value stat side and try to build that trust with something called a sign build list and so we've had people have been on our email list for two years and they finally buy we've had people who you know sign up that same day and buy so as far as the strategy goes i think really being able to show and visualize something of um, a story that shows somehow them going from you know, not so good experience to something great or achieving something that, you know, a pain point that you really know is something of your customer avatar. Show that visually and then give them something immediately that can solve somewhat of that pain point. Maybe it's a checklist of some kind that um, is information you really want people to know. Make it very genuine, make it very heartfelt, provide as much value as possible. Because um, at the end of the day, if you're worried about providing too much value, People pay, in my mind, for convenience, so they're still going to reach out to you um, because even though they may have that answer right in front of them, they probably still want someone to walk them through the process to make sure they don't screw it up themselves. And that's what we get all the time. Um, you know, we have a, a online platform that's $49 a month, and then we have, you can upgrade to work with a coach online that's $399. And what we know is that like a lot of those 49 users, they're still like, well, I want the accountability. I want someone that can check in, that cares, like can develop a personalized plan for me. And I think a lot of other businesses can use that same concept of, you know, people want to have human connection in some capacity, I believe. And so how can your business provide that and show that through your marketing story? 
Absolutely. And I like how your emails are very customer centric. I see a lot of co- emails from companies that are just about themselves and what they're up to. And they yeah. hired a new employee or they were founded on this date or here's a project we just did, which sometimes is good to show the projects you just right. did if you use a storytelling framework to put them out there because then they're engaging to your target audience. But a lot of companies don't. And we started experimenting with our list opposed to just saying, hey, this podcast came out or this. And I started writing like, long form emails in our open rates and people actually hitting reply and writing back to me just skyrocketed when we started doing that. And I got some pushback initially on like, Hey, this email is like two pages long. Are you sure you want to send it? I was like, yeah, I think people like those and we kept (laughs) sending them and yeah, they take more effort to write, but the engagement is so much higher and has led to business for us. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point where it's like, I kind of mentioned this earlier where the only way you know is by doing that. Right. And so like you, it might, it might work. It might not like two page, uh, long email works for you. It may not for others. And that's something like I've really learned. And, and if I've talked to other people, it's like, the only way you're going to know is try implement. And the great part in today's world is you get all this information from whatever marketing automation platform you want to use. And that's what you'll know your consumer likes. And right. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and what's what's the goal of the email too? And I've been using those storytelling ones as we're recording this. We're in a transition between rebranding and announcing that GGMM yeah. is no longer and we're transitioning to this new brand, Storymark Studios, which will be announced soon. It's already been announced to those listening. Um, so like in the in-between phase, we've been using these longer emails about what's to come and why, et cetera. And they've been good stories. But yeah, if you're just selling a product or announcing a sale or something, then the mm-hmm. then the quick email, quick call to action, make the offer, get someone from point A to point B as quick and quick and fast as possible works. So I, I don't want to say, yeah, everyone should start writing these page or two emails all the time. Yeah, but, but you should try. If you, you haven't, should. like you should try because you don't know what's going to happen until you implement that. Absolutely. Um, going back on to lead ads mm-hmm. as well, Facebook lead ads, that was the one tactic you mentioned. And we've been using those for some of our clients as well. And one of them was a putter company that we worked with. And that cost per lead was probably in the one to one to two, three dollar range, similar to what you're yep. getting for the baseball training program. I do want to mention that we've been using those for a bank recently too, in a B2B sense. And that cost per lead per email is way higher. It's mm-hmm. at about, we just started the campaign a week ago. It's at about $70 per lead right now, <laughs> which if you're listening, you might be like, oh, I don't want to pay $70 for an email. One of the emails said they were just making a $300,000 deposit. Knowing how much leads are actually worth to you, and I think as Facebook lead ads are more advanced now, and there's a little bit more hoops to jump through than just clicking one button, like these people are invested. If you target correctly, they're good people. Yep. So no matter what business you are, like you can get ROI. So making sure you're paying attention to knowing how much is a lead worth to you. If you're a B2B company, your lead is going to be worth a lot more than a high schooler is to Josh who he's trying to get to sign up for a $49 program. So knowing how much those customers are worth and then reverse engineering that a little bit. Yeah. And this is where we talked kind of a little bit before we got on air is, is like metrics. And, and I think that's where you can, but depending on your business, um, it's always hard to give, you know, Hey, here's, here's what your cost per lead should be. So I look at more what I call like quality numbers, which one would be return on ad spend. And so, um, 
what you kind of need to know with that is is obviously what they're going to pay you up front, but also what they're going to pay you over the the length of them being a customer with you. So with us, um, depending on our product offering, I know the LTV, and then I'm looking at essentially say if someone is I, I'm trying to get down to a ratio of, of four to one, like that's the golden ratio, and so you can survive off. Anything around two to one, three to one is good. Four to one is really good because you can then spend, you can scale your marketing spend from there. And so for us, um, because we deal with high school kids, I'll use the $49 a month platform. Like we know we're going to have a good amount of churn because either kids just stop playing baseball as they get through high school or they go into college and they're going to use their college program. So, you know, we're hoping to keep kids anywhere from like a year to three, but we know beyond that, like we're not going to have like maybe a bank where that person could be um, a customer for 20 years or even longer. And so for us, like we know lifetime value is going to be around um, $500. And so basically then we're looking at spending one fourth of that on advertising to acquire them. Um, And so that's kind of a concept we use for in-gym. Like our in-gym LTV is much higher. It's five to $7,000. And so for that, we know our in-gym advertising can have a much higher client acquisition cost. And then the other metric we're looking at, what's called your payback period. A lot of places online will say you want a 12-month payback period if you're well-funded, meaning if I'm going to spend X on advertising, um, it should take me 12 months just to break even on that. Like if you look at, there's a lot of um, SaaS companies like that are high growth. That's what they're payback period trying to do. Now they're, they're probably selling more enterprise contracts. Um, and so that's where kind of knowing those key numbers for your business, I think are really important. And you can do that just on a simple spreadsheet and creating a weekly scoreboard where you're just looking at, you know, what's, um, what's your cost per lead? How much are you spending? Um, and you can just set up formulas. So as you add these numbers, it'll, it'll spit out these quality metrics automatically and just, you know, what's your, what's each of those come out to, and then you can figure out your return on ad spend and, and LTV by just knowing your, your churn and the average it'll spend per month. And that will give you, I think, a sense of security that your strategy's working. Mm-hmm. And until those metrics start to match up to a way that makes you feel comfortable and you know you're gonna have a good ROI on your advertising, you just wanna keep testing and trying new things. Absolutely. Before we sign off on this email marketing one, and we're going to dive a little deeper into campaigns, Josh gave you a nice preview there. So feel free to listen to the next episode as well to realize how to how to set up campaigns and put those into action. But I want to go over a few more list building tactics that have worked mm-hmm. really well for us, and I'd love your take on them as well. So we touched on Facebook lead ads. We talked touched on driving people to a webinar, which is I think extremely powerful for B2B companies to get someone to sign up for that. Events, events and webinars are essentially the same thing. One's just online, one's offline. Um, Some more that I want to touch on. One is quizzes and quiz ads. One's giveaways, which have worked really well for me and our clients. The other would be exit pop-ups. Can you, I think, I believe you have an exit pop-up on your site. Can you touch on that and how well that's worked? for you yeah so that's one the one on our site right now i'm not super happy with but we've used it before and especially during like holidays um and the one we use now that works really well if you're talking about the one that i think that's on our shopify store for some of the products we sell and then also there's a a lifetime license to our online platform where it's a uh, basically it's a wheel so it's gamifying and i think that's something that wheelio it's 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 um the software we use is called OptiMonk. Okay. And so oh, that actually plugs in with Shopify and a lot of other 
sites too. And so you can set in there, essentially spin a wheel and we set like anywhere from, you could win uh, a free lifetime license, which is worth close to a thousand dollars, or you could win 15, 10, 20% off free shipping. Um, and that had a huge take rate on like Black Friday, I think around 11% of people that filled that out ended up buying. Mm -hmm. And so it goes into kind of the whole gamifying and people not knowing. Um, and so that works well. Um, pop-ups have worked really well. I'm trying to think over the other and, ones. And those, well, staying on pop-ups. Yeah. Yeah, those could be really effective. Obviously offering something of value. I know when we were working with the putter company Ecom last year, I think the exit pop-up was 15% off. It was yeah. 10, 10, 10% off maybe, and then we got their email, and if they didn't purchase right away, we used Clavio on the back end, mm -hmm. and they would get a, another email and then a further discount and then like a last chance to use this code yeah. one. And that drove a lot of sales, and obviously those are essentially free sales. You're not paying for more advertising once you have someone's email address if you put them through a good sequence. That's the great thing about email. I would... So that, that was exit pop-ups. The next one would be quizzes. I think these are great. You say like playing off gamifying psychologically, people are intrigued by that. People are really intrigued by quizzes too. We all wanna compare ourselves and know where we stand to others. So we've used a lot of quiz, quiz ads before, whether it's, we did one, do you know the facts for, a, for an election years ago, which got emails for way under a dollar. We're working with a construction company right now and it's just is design build right for your project they push design build we're just launching that one i'm excited to see how that turns out we did one on what phase are you in the podcasting journey for ourselves targeting podcasters yeah Th those those can work yeah what i was going to say is we haven't actually talked about this is we used to use one it was and we used a plugin called outgrow and made a quiz and People probably aren't going to believe me, um, but early on, like we had when we first launched it, it was around like 50 cents a contact. And um, the issue at that point was we were allowed, we were marketing um, high school kids. So it was kind of hard to get the traction into them buying something, but it was like a great way to show the value of this because what we ended up creating was a chart. We took all of our high school kids um, through several different platforms that we knew, like throwing velocity. And if you were 15 and um, we would find their metrics when they were 15 and say they went on to play division one baseball. So what everyone, you know, aspires, I think, to do if they're a serious baseball player, two or three. So when a kid could look at this chart and say 15, how hard do I need to throw? How fast do I need to run? How hard do I need to hit 16, 17 and so on? So what we did is we actually used this quiz to kind of say, see where you compare. And so ask like what right now is like your primary position, like how hard do you throw this and that? And then the quiz would spit out this chart and basically show them like, here's how far you're either ahead or behind or you're on track. And so people love to compare That's themselves. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. And so it worked really well. And so we got away from that. And um, from now, because the thing was just trying to get um, high school kids into like, how do we get the parents involved type deal? But that is one that has always stuck with us. And we try to use other, other things like that from a, a certain quizzes um, or we call them like assessments in a way, because I think just one of the things it's in everybody's nature is to compare your, compare you to someone else or to something. And so that was that was a big thing. And we still use that chart I talk about today as like the thumbnail of a VSL. So for them to see that thumbnail, they have to like press the video to watch. Um, but yeah, quizzes are, I think, extremely 
high take rate, people will fill them out. They'll spend time. You'll probably be able to get more information. So if you're selling a product where it's nice to kind of know mm-hmm. more about your consumer ahead, um, there's some great platforms like Typeform if you've used that, or it's just very easy to navigate and, and a good visual aesthetic and just kind of get people through this question flow. And I think your sales team can be a lot more involved if you have a, a follow-up sales process. Yeah, we typically use lead quizzes. I do want to say I can't take any credit for this, but one that got me, there's this company, Mental Golf Type, mm. and you yep. they had a, they had an assessment. It wasn't through an ad. It was just on their website, and I took the assessment, and they sent me an email. Hey, to learn how to imp- implement this, buy right. a $250 program. And then right. I took my credit card out and bought the $250 <laughs> program. Right, right. Like, they, they work and you do get all that data too. A lot of the ones that we've we've set up or are setting up for companies, it's great because you get the lead, but you also get like eight facts around them. So you can segment them and know how to reach out to those guys. Yeah, um, and that if there's one thing I could add, I think that's one thing. And depending on the, your company size is like getting the leads is great, but if you can qualify them, especially if you're selling stuff that's going to be more expensive, um, you know, the bank you kind of talked about, usually that's going to be, if someone's going to have that big of a deposit somewhere, they probably want to talk to somebody or your sales team wants to make sure it's kind of a white glove handoff, you're marketing to sales. Right. And that's where really, I think qualifying leads, if you have a back end sales team, um, quizzes are one of the best ways to get information to them. And I I will say how to run a quiz, obviously it needs to be an intriguing, it needs to be a good offer, it needs to intrigue people. How to set it up, we've found that using six to eight questions is typically best. That's yeah. easy, it's digestible. People start taking the quiz and they're not like, I gotta spend like 10 minutes doing this. It's simple, so you wanna make it as easy as possible and then wait to collect someone's email between the last question and the results. Yep. And when they see the results or then you send them the results. If you ask for their email right when they click on the quiz, you're gonna get a pretty high bounce off rate, but people who have already answered six to eight questions are already invested and they really want to see their results, so then they'll give you their email. Um, Just what has worked for us and what I strongly believe in on that. The one last tactic that I wanna touch on is giveaways. We've ran a lot of giveaways for podcast clients. It's helped us get several podcasts on the top top or ranked on the Apple charts. It's helped us build email lists very fast, sometimes for less than 50 cents of targeted email. We use a platform called King Sumo to do this. It's a free platform. People enter through Facebook, which pulls their email or enter their email. And then the cool thing about it is you give people bonus point entries for either subscribing to a podcast, liking you on Instagram, on YouTube, you can choose what entries people get. So if you have a good giveaway, especially for B2C companies or B2B companies, if you can put a giveaway that makes sense together, then these can be really effective. And if there's one time that I recommend using paid advertising to build your email list, like a really good, very targeted giveaway would probably be it. Yeah. And, and those can go into, I think, um, good combining. Any, there are times we look at where like, how can we combine organic social and paid together because of the ability to retarget on those platforms, both with organic views. And some of the, uh, this is something that we used to do quite a bit is we would do um, 
some kind of giveaway and it would be the you see these a lot it's like the tag couple friends like this post and that makes you eligible for this giveaway and that gets a lot of um, engagement on your social posts and then same thing with like you can run that same thing on paid advertising and the great thing about these platforms is you can make an organic social post you can use that exact post then in an ad and kind of combine them together and that's where yeah make them take some kind of action to kind of be eligible for the giveaway and then they can enter their email um i guess that might be a little different than because ours isn't straight to email it's usually trying to get um engagement on our mm -hmm. social media profile which is another really good thing i think for as far as for your brand if you can kind of show that to me that's um that brand recognition is the more kind of engagement around that like if you see a post with five thousand likes on it um i i think people are gonna whatever the content is is a little bit more credible for people so that's social proof um but we've used giveaways in that capacity too where it's trying to combine like kind of paid traffic and that social post with um something like a, a free lifetime license or free assessment usually that gets pretty good engagement for us as well thanks again for tuning into this episode of marketing after hours with my guest josh rolls if you found it useful please share with someone else you know would find this episode valuable and write a review wherever you are listening again that helps us get more ears on this podcast marketing after hours is produced by Storymark studios you can access free resources and learn more about how we can help your brand grow, including by implementing the tactics that we discussed today. Just visit us at storymarkstudios.io. That's storymarkstudios.io. Thanks again for tuning in.